Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. There's three sides to every story. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Come on, girls. Let's go shopping. That's not a knife. (laughs) This is a knife. What are you looking at? Don't look at a boy jumping there. You're mad, you bastard. Far am you. Far am you. There's no cash here. Here, there's no cash. Alright? Cash, no. Robo? No cash. Swear to Christ, please, you get a bag of all sorts in here, mate. Welcome to Wook G'day, welcome to The Last New Wave. I'm Andrew Pierce, and this is a podcast that looks at the wide and varied landscape that is Australian cinema. This podcast is recorded in the lands of the Wajak people of Perth region, and I pay respects to their elders, both past, present, and emerging. This show is also part of the A Lot of Green podcast network, which is allotofgreen.com.au. Head over there to listen to great shows like Pods in the Key of Springfield, a show that's all about Simpsons, Fantastic Histories, a show that looks at, well, the history that exists in certain films like Evil Dead and Rocky and also Game Hugs which is one of my favorite podcasts uh, it's all about interviewing people who work in video games it's a fantastic show well this show is kind of tangential to Game Hugs in a lot of ways because I sit down and I interview people who work in the Australian film industry and make Australian films and certainly I've interviewed some really fascinating people as this particular show has uh, gone on in this new revival format in a way. Uh, The director of 1%, the director and the star of West of Sunshine, uh, the people behind Just Between Us and also, you know, the guys behind Jurgo, which is a great film. And these are all films that are up to the Actor Awards, which will be announced in a couple of weeks. And one film which was up for the Actor Awards last year, unfortunately didn't get any nominations, but it was certainly was uh, eligible last year, is Liam Worthington's debut feature film, One Less God. Now, I've done a lot of interviews in my time, and I really enjoy interviewing people and talking about their films. Um But I certainly really enjoyed talking with Liam about his film, One Less God. And mostly because, you know, he is very honest about the the process of working with this film and and how he came about with uh, the particular idea and and the struggles it it took to actually make this film. I found it really, really interesting talking to him. And hopefully you find it interesting listening to this conversation. I think that Liam has a lot to say about Australian cinema and I think that he certainly is uh, going to be an interesting filmmaker to see come forward in the future. So please head along and go and see his film, One Less Guide. It's showing over in Sydney and Melbourne at the moment. He's doing Q&A screenings. And certainly I know that it'll be out via um, either on ozflix.tv eventually or on Umbrella Entertainment down the line. Uh, It's a film that is really worthwhile checking out because it talks about the attacks 
the terrorist attacks in, in Mumbai on the Mumbai Hotel back in 2008. And it looks at the people who kind of uh, were, were the victims of the terrorist attacks as well as the terrorists themselves. And and I find it really interesting. We certainly touch on, on both aspects of uh, the victims and the terrorists in this conversation. And I, I want to stress, you know, I do sound like I sympathize with the terrorists here, but the film actually does do a very good job of under, making you understand their perspective and you know, not asking you to sympathize with them, but it certainly asks you to empathize with them, which is something that I don't think films do very often. I don't think that films really em- ask us to empathize with those who we oppose with. Now, granted, we should definitely oppose uh, terrorists, certainly terrorists who kill a lot of people. Um, you know, there is no middle ground with that at all. But we have to do, we certainly do have to understand where they're coming from in society and and how people end up to that point of being a terrorist. So yeah, this film I think raises a lot of questions. Does it answer all of them? No, but I don't think that that's the point of it. I think it's asking you to take away those questions and ruminate on them and ex- explore them with yourself. And and certainly, you know, if you go and see it with somebody to talk about with the film with those people to to f- see how you come up with answers to these questions. Maybe you won't come up with answers to these questions. I know I certainly haven't come up with answers to these questions. And I wonder if Liam has come up with answers answers to these questions as well. I know he's probably still ruminating, ruminating on what he's explored with this film. Anyhow, let's have a listen to the trailer and hopefully you enjoy this discussion as much as I enjoyed actually doing it. And keep an eye on Liam. He's a filmmaker worthwhile keeping an eye on.
how are you doing as well? Your your film's out and about and, and hitting screens and stuff. How's that going? Yeah, it is. Yeah, good. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're, we're seems pretty excited at the moment because we're, we're seeing snaps coming in from, uh, we're released in Japan at the moment in cinemas. And that, <laughs> for, for, for a little Aussie indie to be up in there, you know, up in cinemas in Japan for us is a bit of a buzz. So. Yeah. Yeah, so it's exciting having some friends in Japan and some of them sending other photos and pics and, you know, it's, it's really, really great. Yeah, that's got to be, um, that's got to be really exciting. I, I mean, I can imagine it's, it's exciting getting a film in front of, uh, home audiences, but then, uh, even better having it in front of international ones. So. Yeah, it is. I mean, home audiences, we always, you know, because all of your, obviously all your, your friends and family and a lot of people who followed you over the years get a chance to see it and you really want to share it at home. But we were always really wanting to make it because of the nature of the events to make something which is internationally facing. So, yeah, so, so to see it travel has been, yeah, a, a big reward to me personally. Yeah, because you've, you've got a lot of uh, a varied cast here, which is great to see. You know, it's... it's uh, Really, really diverse cast, and which is, of course, uh, representative of of what occurred at the at the hotel. Um, but I'm, you know, that's got to uh, help lend itself to an international audience as well. I imagine. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that. Um, I mean, you know, there are effects where you you, you, had, you had people, you know, lost their lives from 17 different countries, and then you have, uh, you know, and there's many more who will obviously from so many different nationalities. So many people are swept up into these kind of events, of course. And then we had you know, two Australians who were killed inside the attack, so there's that, that strong personal resonance here. But of course, the bulk of people were killed, as you would expect, were Indians. So, so to not make the film and really make it an international film and in a hotel like the Taj, it's one of the reasons it was attacked was because it, you know it is such an, an international hotel and an icon, and you know and all those things are really well known. Mm. They, you know, they, they planned it. Yeah. So how did you go about researching the film as well? Because it had been in production for. Bit, yeah, was well, that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, the research was extensive. I mean, actually, because I, I began the first draft. I penned the first draft only about seven months after the attack. So that was back in two thousand nine. Mm. And uh, you know, and the information was just continuing to come out and come out and come out and go deeper and deeper and deeper. So it really was what I thought was my beginning of just doing the standard research about, you know, what happened at the news cycles, you know, of who, of who went where and shot who and, you know, and all that kind of stuff, you know, where, where, when, how, was where the research began, you know, you can get your head around about that, around that and start writing a draft and then, you know, just more and more information starts to come out until I find myself, you know, years down the, ra- the, tr- the track having, you know, read deeply into the organized, the terrorist organizations behind us and into the, uh, the geopolitics and surrounding history, is, you know, issues and history between you know, the India and the partition, the you know, Kashmir and the conflict that's been going there. And, you know, to, the, to the depth of it just kept on going because I think that is, you know, that's the truth. If you really want to understand the attacks, it's not just recording on some stories as valuable as they are of, you know, what happened to people inside the events. It's also, you know, why, why this happened in the first mm. place. That's really, I think, the key. Yeah. And what surprised you about the, when you were doing the research, because I, I imagine there's, you know, it's a pretty traumatic event, of course, and, and mm. you know, lots of lives were lost. So I imagine there'd be some uh, things that really kind of stuck out as strange. Yeah, there were. In some ways. Yeah. Well, so that, I mean, there was, some, you know, there's some really challenging things when you're looking at something like this because of the scope of it, because it's so big. You know, you have 166 stories of you know, people personally you know who, who've lost their lives so that's 166 incredibly 
important stories, and then you have you know the, the many many hundreds who are directly wounded, and and then you have you know the thousands swept up and caught inside the events, and the commandos and the police. So the sheer scale of it, you know, you, you can't bring all of that to screen. So you've got to sort of make a decision about are you going to cherry picking, you know, a handful of stories and put those onto screen, or are you going to, you know, or, or that's what we do, we just went, you know, we, we think we'll try to distill, you know, the, the take, make it composite, you know, the, 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 the more common stories and the different threads that we're hearing, and one of the most fascinating, you know, in, in the grimmest sense was probably that the, the terrorists themselves, we, uh, it was an unusual thing, but this time that the police actually managed to intercept the calls of the, of the, uh, the terrorists and oh, so you know so so I watch, so I listened to all the calls and I've read all the transcripts for the the handlers on the ground in Pakistan talking them through the attacks and that stuff is really it, it's shocking and it's also that it was incre- incredibly revelatory so you know you're seeing stuff like uh, hearing stuff like um the handler talking to the you know there's, there's a scene in the film the scene in the film is where the uh, one of one of the the, uh, the the young terrorist is walking through the hotel and he's talking about the size of the television sets and this is taken this is lifted from the transcripts it's funny because I've had some people kind of you know they query a couple of scenes in the film that's that's a funny one to me because they actually come straight from the transcripts <laughs> and it's this this kid's talking about how big you know the TV sets are and you know and how incredible the bathrooms are you know it's five sinks all in a row. And he's hammering on the other end of the phone, getting you know, getting angry and angry, you know, saying set fire them to them, get rid of them. But you've got this boy, this you know, well, I might say boy, he's nineteen. You know, I don't want to apologise for him. He's a man doing what he does, but um, but you know, you can clearly hear his wonder and the opulence of his environment. And when you read the history, you know what's taking place with these, you know, inside the training camps and his indoctrination and what you know how they they, they play them, you know footage of Muslims being killed in, you know, in Gaza and they, they, they show them the destruction of uh, Babri, Babri uh, Mosque in, in India by Hindus and this is what they do. And so then they come, that's what they have built up in these mines. And then this particular particular guy was a, a young guy from the northern uh, northern hill district, so very remote rural before he found himself on the streets, I think as a teenager of Lahore, as a you know, kind of petty thief. Um, then you know I think him coming face to face with the reality of what he's doing and so you know and, and just being like he's in the church overstruck by the you know the wonder and beauty and majesty of the Taj Mahal hotel and all that's playing out in real time with the hand that just wants him to focus on you know causing mayhem and destruction and just go oh this is this is incredible you know and, and it really it really does speak to that broader problem obviously you know what's really going on you know that's the mm. yeah. Well, I think, you know, you, you echo that really well in the beginning of the film as well when uh, he's on the phone to his uh, his uh, brother, is that right? Or well, his, his sibling, at least. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. As they're, you know, yeah. he shouldn't be talking to them, but, you know, they're just so interested in, well, what's the ocean look like and stuff like that. They've never seen such uh, yeah. things before, which is, is sad. It's it's heartbreaking in, in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Yeah. You know, these people are, as you're saying, they've they've been essentially hoodwinked into a life that they they shouldn't have uh, been following. Really, um, it really is the other end of the tragedy. No, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you go about kind of uh, creating characters who we can empathise with a little bit, even if they're doing uh, really terrible things? 
Yeah, it's obviously it's it, it, it's so tricky because you have to you you know you can't apologise for for their actions and for the men they became, and you have to you know I think as a filmmaker really commit to to you know telling the atrocity. If you're going to put this you know this story on screen, you have to you know make sure you 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 cover the full depth of the tragedy and its horror. Um, at the same time, if you you know if you can see that the, the great you know to complete that circle of tragedy, it is to understand the militants and how they you know how they came on those streets. And and I you know there was there was a number of things I actually did very you know, very consciously in the film. And one of them you know if you've seen the film, you hopefully have noticed. Um, not everyone seems to, but uh, that uh, the first times we see that you know, everything is hidden off camera at first. It's all hands, and you know when they're starting a shooting, it's all it's, it's all boots, you know, boots and, uh, you know, guns and, you know, it's firing. And that's because, you know, very deliberately the first time was you'd be able to see the terrorist face. I didn't want to see them, you know, you sh him, have you seen them shooting someone or knowing that this was the terrorist on location, you know, mm. and I, I needed it to be. You actually engage with them as a human being, looking to the eyes, wondering who's this person, who's this character first. So your first instinct towards them was, was a human being, potentially one and an and instinct potentially of empathy as opposed to, you know, of judgment and right, here's our villain, here's our monster. Um, and so that's the first time we see one of them is, you know, is on the couch and that's how we engage them. So that's a very deliberate way to try to bring your audience into a, you want to confuse that, that, that human impulse, you know, and I try to, you know, to embed that through the film where we, you know, taken from, and these, these again, these are true things and some of them come under a little bit of criticism stuff like, you know, the the diarrhoea scene and things that, that are within the film, which are actually based off, you know, the... the, the some of the reports and the things that came out afterwards, um, but it's you know these, these are human experiences that they're going through, you know the stress responses that they're taking place within the body of the terrorists, um, and then there was just how we depicted them. You know, it's been a twenty-six eleven oh eight film, and that one, the you know the the, the you know look, it's it's an Indian-made film, and you know obviously how they feel about it, incredibly sensitive to you know to this stuff, and the the. The terrorists themselves were grinning, snarling, you know, very animalistic, and uh, you know, I understand why they've why they've had that response to it, but it's not really the truth. And we, you know, what we wanted to do was to go right. We need again, we need to to be able to tell the story, but not have you know, not not depict them that way. So we weren't shooting them from you know all the time from down low and making them monstrous, and we weren't doing you know hard, heavy lighting. It was you know a decision to soft light a little bit, just to just to consciously make them a bit more human uh, so that, you know, despite the events, we, we couldn't help but glimpsing, you know, the humans inside them and feeling a bit, uh, a bit conflicted. Uh, yeah. That's what was, yeah. 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 And, and certainly you get the impression that, you know, they are, while they are responsible for their actions, we do get that, that uh, view of the, the handler who's in Pakistan, yeah. you know, essentially coaxing, coaxing them along to do all these kinds of things, which is you know the that voice that's telling you something else to do and yeah i think that kind of comes back to the theme of the film from my perspective at least which is about you know people questioning uh the place of religion in the world and and questioning their own religions in some regards um absolutely so was that a, a conscious effort in in regards to being like you know that's that's a visual representation of a, a voice mm. that they'll never see um telling them what to do yeah, you, you, other you, people. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you, you've absolutely nailed it. You really have. Yeah, I mean that 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 is the thing for me because if you're going, to, you know, you, if you're going to be honest and you're going to study all, all this content, I mean, we look, we know people can get so attached to a 
to a sport that they kill other people for it, you know, but we have to, ideas are powerful and what, you know, what we do think and what we do believe does matter. And there are lots of, you know, there are lots of mechanisms within our, within humans that, you know, that you can, you can activate to get us to, to move towards our violent impulses or, you know, or other, other systems will come to the fore, whether it's tribalism and, you know, or, um, you know, and then to, to persecute. And I've always, I've always, it's, you know, it's so true if you're a student of history that you see some of the greatest atrocities of history, you know, these are not, it's not because this is a monster society, you know, these, these are humans where there's, you know, they're very much like us, and so the real question becomes, how did they get there? And so that is the thing, you have to question your ideas, we have, you know, nothing can be, there can be nothing which is so sacred that it's beyond questioning, and I think that we, you know, and I think nothing that is so sacred that we can't give it up. But, you know, for the sake of uh, hopefully transcending some of that programming and living, you know, in a more harmonious way with each other. And that's obviously a very difficult place to go into that kind of, that, that terrain that people are, you know, it's, it's, these are these barricades that are so well defended. But nevertheless, that's, that's the terrain where a religious fundamentalist terrorist siege exists, you know. That's, that's, uh, that, that is, if you're going to be honest, you know, just tell you, you know, if you just tell stories about people and the reenaction of the events, what you're doing is you're just depicting a, you know, another survival thriller. That, that, that's what's taking place as far as I'm concerned. You're not really having anything to say or you're not really trying to understand and grapple with what's going on. And, you know, and I've, you know, we've had a lot of, as you would expect over the years, lots of, re, you know, reflexive and pushback from, uh, you know, from religious communities of, di of different kinds. Um, but, um, you know, I'm really grateful with, for the bulk of how it's been received at the moment. You know, lots of, lots of Muslims and Indians alike who are, you know, who are really getting the message and, you know, I'm being very grateful on the Q&As and very moved and affected, so that's good. Yeah, that's, that's a response that you want because I was yeah, going to ask, yeah. how, like, when you're dealing with something, you know, a real-life event like this, regardless of, you know, whether it's uh, in India, America or wherever, you know, it's always a contentious subject and... That's right. How do you deal with that? Like it's <laughs> being the guy who created it. It's not going to be yeah. easy. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, some of the Q and A's. I mean, that has been the strength of it too. Is you know, it has been that the Q and A's after screenings have often been. You know, it's a two-hour plus film, and then you're there afterwards, and you know, an audience is you know packed house sitting there for another hour for Q and A. You don't understand. The first time I did one, I thought. Oh my God! They're all going to flee. You're going to run to the bathroom as this thing ends, you know, and then most of them will never come back. And and they're staying in the room because I think a lot of people really do want to engage. They want to have that conversation, even though for the ones who are, you know, they're, they're far enough out that they're they're already decided their opinion. You know, they're cynical or they're jaded or they are, you know, they 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 are ideologues in their own right, and they're not going to shift or move. And we know that. Um, and but it really is about you know the bulk of humanity I think that lives in that middle ground that just wants to get on with their lives and, you know and and, and live harmoniously. So they they want to have that conversation and I think that um, some people you know well quite a lot of people have said have said how surprised they were when they've come to the film because they thought they knew what you know this may be or that they were going to get and they found that you know it's, it's actually taken them to, them to a you know personally to a very different place. So that's really helped frame it, you know, when it becomes about the shared humanity, which is one of the core messages of the film, obviously. And when you take that into, I think that's the only way, really, and that's why I did it. You know, the only way to really move forward in the conversation that has to begin, you know, begin as your beginning premise is that we have we have more in common than we have in uh, in isolation from each other. And how do we get past these ideological pensions that you know that that, that can lead to such 
you know, unnecessary suffering. And that's the thing. We know life is full of suffering, but the real that real kicker is, you know, is such, you know, it's really I think what almost you know defines tragedy is unnecessary suffering. Mm. Um, and yet yeah, to, to start to drill down into that, and for this one, you know, these kind of issues. I, I mean, I don't know your own background, but um, for for myself, it's it's been a really it's been a fascinating thing. You know, watch watching. Because, of course, this is when I really started to go deep down the rabbit hole back in 2009. And, you know, I think it was three to four years later, well, you know, three years later when we started seeing the emergence of ISIS and, you know, and then, then 2014 and, then, you know, and everything really started to ramp up around terrorism, around the tax and the modus operandi theft. And for the Mumbai tax itself was, was, was used by the operative groups, you know, and, you know, it was, it was the, what's... You know that they, they, they listed that for, for the Butterclan and the tax for the Butterclan theater in France. So that model of multiple militants hitting different targets at the same time. You know that was all taken from there. So we really started to see it ramp up, and then we started to see the the you know the politicisation of it all as an issue, and being used by one side as political football, being used by part of it, both sides as a you know to, to suit their purposes. You know these people don't realise that we have we have. Uh, jihadist groups and you know and charismatic cameras really using the press to uh, to say look you know see they they they, they hate Muslims and blah 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 and look, mm. at this and look how they respond and you know find you know any get any outcry that they can and they could use that to motivate people to you know to join the cause and on the far side you have people saying um right because that happens you know we can't talk about this at all because we you know and, and we can potentially demonize Muslims this is an issue we can't talk about now People are talking about it. They're going to continue to talk about it. So it's not really, you know, it's not really an option for us not to talk about it. That can't happen. We're never going to achieve a, you know, a flat, you know, media ban on any act of terrorism. This is, a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy idea. Yeah. And so what, what we get left with is, you know, we get left with a conversation where we've surrendered that middle ground. We've surrendered the conversation to people from the extremes, and. You know, we, we have to take that back from them. You know, we have to bring that conversation back to, you know, the less traveled middle path. And even though it's saying that most of us know everyday life, we don't really like to think about everything too much because it's it's complex. And that means it's uncomfortable. And we don't like, you know, having conversations which are complex and uncomfortable too much too often. But if we only do that, you know, in the wake of a terrorist attack, when things are at their most emotional and most polarized, it's the most inappropriate time to talk about it. Then those conversations, and I've listened to so so many of them, they very rarely achieve anything. But I think you know the, the time is it's like right now it's conversations with people, you know, whether it's whether it's, it's about a film, about issues, and trying to understand about it. So, like you know, I think debates and lectures and literature. I think you know these are the mechanisms for humanity that we understand things and move past them. But uh, we have to really be aware of what's going on. People from both ends of politics, you know, using these issues. Yeah, and I guess asking why they're using issues in a certain way as well, it's, yeah, I, I think your film certainly does that and and looks at, you know, a traumatic event and, and makes us question a lot of things. And I guess that's the, the sign of good good uh, writing and good uh, media in a lot of ways in the sense that, you know, if it leaves us thinking about something rather than, you know, sitting there and yeah. going, well, that was that. Um, I think so. Yeah. You know, then it's it's really positive. It's good. Um, I think so too. I think this becomes. I mean, you know, really, that's kind of it's the definition of propaganda. When you just tell, you know, you just if it's just show and tell, then then that's really what it is. You know, you need. I think, and especially with this sort of stuff, you need people to formulate their own ideas and move towards their own deeper understandings of things. And if you can trigger that, then I think you've done a, you know you've done something worthwhile. Mm. 
So this was your first feature film, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it is my debut feature. Yeah. So how did you go about organising all of the uh, the different pathways of getting funding and stuff like that, and, and what kind of challenges yeah, right. came up for you? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah it's, it, it's just many. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, I could write a very long and boring book. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, um, yeah, look, you know, indie film is renowned for being any film is, you know, it's being a you know, no personal Everest for, for a filmmaker to make, and you know, and this was no exception. There, you know, in many ways, I think it's it's harder than most tales, um, and that's everything from finance. Finances are always such a huge challenge. I think it was Orson Welles who said that you know, ninety percent of time, ninety percent of your time as a film director will be spent trying to raise money, and only ten percent directing. <laughs> yeah, a tragic, tragic statement, but pretty true. Um, yeah. So, trying to raise that money, and at the moment, we've got a lot going on in the international marketplace. Obviously, it's been so disrupted. I think there are a lot of filmmakers, you know, five, ten years ago, who were really excited and thought that was going to be so positive, but we really have traded analog, analog dollars for digital cents, and it's it's so hard to cut through and to get your film, you know, it, even to get a you know a theatrical release now is you know it's a huge achievement. So it's so tough. Um, so that's that's what we're facing, and then we're I'm not sure where you're based, but you know the, the number of walk-in screens. I mean, in Sydney, I think it's I've heard a figure it's like 26 in the last decade that have disappeared. You know, the smaller cinemas where indie films like oh, I could hope to get programmed, you know, once a Friday night for the next six weeks, and you know, fine word of mouth and build. So this this release exhibition period has just been has been tough, you know, penetrating the market. Um, and that's a, it's a very common story. Mm. Um, and the other side of it, of course, is just you know the the the, the, the normal story of uh, raising money and you know and all the the efforts and the battles to try to get this uh, get the film. Uh, uh, I mean, it's everything from us. I think well, you know, we're, we're setting off to, to shoot in Mumbai for exteriors, and there were you know, a couple of motorcycle bombings that took place that went on the no-fly list. And so we had to, you know, we had to make a decision. We've all, you know, we're set to go. And so we had to fly to Nepal and shoot some of our exteriors there instead and then later get footage of Mumbai. And um, and that was just the beginning of <laughs> <laughs> the endless dramas. Well, adjusting on the fly, I guess, is the, the key thing. You've got to yeah. be able to, you know... I think so, yeah. A challenge comes up and you just take it because you've, you've got a story to tell. Yeah. I think so. I think you're right. I think problem solving, a lot of people don't get that. They think it's, it's like, you know, I'm going to get to this exciting adventure where I get to make all like your beautiful creative ideas and you go, no, you're going to, you know, you're going to helm this giant, crazy, lumbering ship across this, <laughs> this uncharted <laughs> ocean <laughs> and hope that you are, you don't sink it. But yeah. I think yeah. that's the, yeah, and that's how you respond all the time to all those challenges, definitely. Yeah. Did you enjoy it though? That's the key thing. I think, you know, a lot of the time, uh, mm. first-time filmmakers, they go through a lot of stress and stuff like that. And I always yeah. wonder if it's something that, you know, at the end of it, are you thirsty to do another story? Or at the end, are you like, oh, my God, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I mean, the stats, I think only 80%, I think 80% of Australian filmmakers anyway never go on to make more than a first or second film. And mm. I think what you're saying is probably a big part of it because it, it is a, you know, it's because the logistics of films are more like a military exercise. You know, there are so many moving parts that you have to bring together. So doing that, you know, that is that, that itself is very challenging. And then I think just the sustained energy that does require over a long time, particularly on something like this, to, to hold that together and not just sustained energy, but renewed sustained energy to keep on going again obviously really takes its toll. And then it's so hard to be financially viable and successful in this industry that I think that, 
places another degree of stress on those filmmakers. So I, do, I think a lot of people probably come out of the side of me to ask stars and sort of those hard questions about, you know, is this worth it? What's life really about? Is this just a chance of, you know, digital vanity exercise? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where a lot of people naturally go, but I, I think you're right. The antidote for that for me is to try to enjoy the process, and and we, you know, and, and that was selecting good people. You know, we really were a family. My background is in theatre and circus, and I think we were actually a lot more. You know, we, I think we had less in common with most film sets I've been on because I was also an actor. We were a bit more like a you know a travelling theatre company. We, we had that that sense of real family about us, and, and that's been a big benefit to us. But it gets you through too, so I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the main thing, is that you've got a great cast of, of people as well, and and really, I think the first kind of 20 minutes of the film helps a lot in setting up, you know, you, you use these small vignettes of just setting up who the characters are, and you don't need much uh, to get a, gar- a grasp of who they are as people, but, um, you know, you, you simply present them in, in situations, and even if we're only with them for a few minutes before the, the terror starts, we get a full understanding of who they are and everything there, um, which has got to be—it's got to be hard to do uh, because you know that's again it comes back to the writing and the direction, but it also comes back to the casting. So, how yeah. did you go about casting the film, especially with such a varied cast? Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's yeah. Again, you're on point. I mean, that—that's the thing. Knowing we have to have a very varied cast. I think we've got seven different languages that have spoken through the film. But, um, you know, as we said, you know, there, there was you know there were people who suggested we should, you know we we do that model where you you do the film the whole thing in English and we make our life a lot easier. And contrary to what I first thought, I thought you know it's exciting to have you know some different languages. But international sales agents much prefer you to be you know the whole thing to be in English. It's easier for them to sell and more countries that we will buy and so there are those kind of considerations but um but obviously yeah international film and the great thing in australia of course is that you look when you go when you travel overseas to festivals australian talent is is, is regarded second to none it really you know where we, we, we punch so far above our weight creatively and you know and i think when you come home and i went to drama schools that you know like myself I went, I went to i was back at the Penn university a few years after um golden year um, ear out in the course out there when David Wenham had just gone through and John Legend had just gone through and Don Haney was in my year, you know, we were good friends and it was it was a it was a great year and period and you you know, you're spending years with all these these these, these Australian actors and you watch the cycle come around when it's time to get the agents and only a handful of the big guys last land agents and some of those people are people who are really good in the room, really good auditioning, but not necessarily the best actors from the group because everyone knows everyone so instantly by then. And you start realising that this cycle happens year after year and we have four, we had four top uh, drama schools in the country at that time and you're going, oh boy, you know, where are all these people going, all this training, all this talent? that we're pumping out all these dreams because we just don't have that big an industry. Mm. So I sort of had become aware of that through my younger years. And so when it came to casting, I went, right, I want to cast a really big net. You know, I want to I try to open this up. And of course, because it is such diverse, you know, really diverse multicultural cast and opportunity, it was great. You know, this was a film that meant that people who don't usually get too many roles coming their way you know, we were so excited because they went, this is something I could get to sink my teeth into and, you know, this this is something for me. And and uh, and the Indian community here in Australia is huge and there was so much talent with it too. And, you know, the casting, so we did, you know, I went through the, the, the more standard sort of uh, casting channels, of course, but I I didn't try to get, you know, I, I consciously didn't, you know, didn't attach a casting agent and just went, you know, look, I want you to find me 
the, you know, the best people. I wanted to open up a bit wider and broader than that. And the results, you know, we were we were we were thrilled with. I think we found some amazing people like uh, Kabir Singh and Kieran Kamara and Surprise Dibak and Robin Bandra. I think are always you know are all, all, all stunning of the film. And then Joseph Malatova is the Irish backpacker Sean, who I think is you know does a does a brilliant job in his debut feature too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think the cast is really great, and yeah, it comes back to I think that you know they managed to present realistic, believable characters straight yes. away. You you can see their history as soon as they they appear on screen, which is uh, you know is great. It's it's that's not an easy feat to do. So you know, congratulations. That's exactly on that. right. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah, no, because you're you're yeah. <laughs> they work they work so hard. I think they really just they deserve the praise. I think. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I think you know this is a really impressive film, and and to answer your question before, I'm I'm based in Perth, and and I oh, unfortunately yeah, so unfortunately um, you know this isn't coming to uh, yeah, over here, hence why I'm I'm pushing to to try and do, obviously to do this interview and uh, try and get as much coverage as possible because I, I find that these it's frustrating because these kinds of films uh, fall through the cracks and and stuff yeah. like that and. I, I like to focus on Australian films for the website that I run and, um, you know, talk about Australian cinema as much as possible because, uh, I, you know, I think it's it's worthwhile talking about and worthwhile getting people excited for. So uh, hence why I was like, all right, I need to, uh, you know, track this guy down and try and talk to him about his film because I, I started watching it last year on uh, Actor TV. So, oh, yes, and yes. I was like, I got about half an hour into it and I was like, well, this is really good. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to wait until it comes to the big screen, and um, <laughs> and then and then I was like, ah, oh, shit, <laughs> not come to Perth. But regardless, well, I, well, I still well, enjoyed it. Had a lot of really strong responses from from audiences. You know, it, it was a film that was really finding. You know, when, when it was in front of people, it was it was it was really strong. And when that, and and that was so important to us because of the political debate around this kind of stuff. You know, we've had people. Who clearly go after us for their, you know, their own political agendas, and mm-hmm. and for me it's strange because I've had that from all sides of the spectrum. You know, what I mean, I get people who will say, you know, I get I can have people who say it's a Hindu nationalist propaganda film. You know, <laughs> on one side, you know, you just go, what? <laughs> Are you absolutely crazy? Like this is the most humanistic version you could probably hope to, you know, or be reasonably, you know, expect to do, in, you know, in these kind of circumstances. Yeah, and then, and then you'll cop it from the, you know. Look, it worked like this actually in India, of course, because of their politics. They're worried that the film is not going to be right wing enough. You know, in Australia, they're worried it's going to be too right wing. You know, it's going to be right wing in, in some form at all. In America, they they saw it as you know as left wing. You know, <laughs> so, so so it's fascinating for me to watch people you know shift across the dial of you know what they see and where they think something sits, but then to relate to the art. From that lens, and not you know, and not try to see the work for itself, you know, and that, yeah. that, that's happening to the arts more and more. I'm watching everything being tried viewed through that political lens. But I'm not sure that's a good thing for us. Well, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think that you know, certainly, um, you know, as, as the world becomes more political, unfortunately, uh, it seems that everybody looks at films as as trying to be, you yes. know, force an agenda on people and. And it's just not the case. And I remember, no. you know, I went and saw The Merger earlier in the year, and I, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a really solid comedy. But it's, you know, it deals with real issues and stuff like that and deals with talking about refugees and things like that. And, and 
like a lot of the discussion around it was, oh, it's trying to force a, a left wing agenda because it's it's trying to get refugees into Australia. And I'm like, well, hold up, Did you even watch <laughs> yeah. the film because it's not that right. not the conversation that comes out of it. And it's the exactly. same with uh, your film. I can't honestly see how how people would come in away with anything other than, you know, this is just a human story about people in a a terrible situation. Exactly. Yeah, I thought that's, it, it, it seems certainly, and, and that's why we've had to, I mean, it was lucky for us that before we sort of went into the media cycles and things that, you know, and you really start getting that, sort of the trolling online, sort of things you happen from, to, to, yeah, to everybody and everything now, um, that we were sort of a bit inoculated from us, that ourselves, you know, in camp, because we just, we, you know, we travel and toured and Q&A'd with it enough that we sort of had so many face-to-face experiences that you go, okay, look, people people get it. You know, people yeah. are seeing it and responding, they get it. So so regardless of whether we hear, you know, someone writing something horrible and some, you know, spending two minutes of their life to try to destroy something, you know, yeah. they, you know, 30 characters, yeah, we're, 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 we're kind of okay. Yeah, and I, I think that comes back to, like, a, a core aspect of this particular film to me is that, you know, those scenes where all those people are in the one hotel room and you know, talking about who they are and stuff like that. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a, a core reinforcement, which is, you know, we can live a digital life and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, as soon as we actually get in front of somebody and talk with each other about our own things, then that's when we start to open up. That's where we start to understand who we are as people. And that's really important. That's a huge, hugely really important thing. Yeah. I think so too. It, it is where we go. It, it's, what, it's what collapses those uh the, you know the, 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 those those ideas and stuff those ego those those barriers and you know between us really they they they, they, they do collapse face to face as is the best solution and and we're living in you know we weren't we we literally weren't bioengineered were we for the for the world we now find ourselves in you know yeah <laughs> this, 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 this is not something that we've developed to be able to to deal with you know and so it is funny watching those those tribal instincts you know that being so triggered online, it's you know, it's, it's like a it's like digital road rage. Really, is what it, you know reads to me that extension of self fire another another avatar in the same way a person's car can do it. That's what's happening in the online persona, and and we're not you know it's not just bad people doing this. I think it's something that we're just not really we're not shaped to do. If you take away all those other cues, that is those emotional cues, and you know, and looking to someone else's eyes, and feeling someone else's emotional response, and and seeing it, I think we're you know we're, we're, that's how we were designed. To, you know, that's meant to imprint upon our thinking. That's meant to you know to, to counterbalance thoughts and make us weigh our thoughts carefully before we just you know we just wage into into war with whatever we're saying. But that's that's that's, that's the landscape we find ourselves in. It is, yeah, it is. Look, I've, I've taken a heap of your time, and I really appreciate it. It's um, no, I love you. I love you. I really. I felt like interrupt you before to say you know it's a. A great interview. I thought that's really a few interviews. <laughs> it's lovely chats. Great. Yeah. Well, I, I like to try and make it a bit more conversational rather than you know have ten questions I need to rattle off and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I find yeah. it it breeds a more organic uh, conversation and discussion. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and I appreciate you being open and, and candid about the film. It's it's a really solid film, and I, I really enjoyed watching it. So you know, thank you very much for making a film because I think that. Uh, certainly I've seen over the past few years at least the, the concept of what an Australian film is uh, morph in a lot of different ways and, and stuff like mm. that and obviously this isn't set in Australia but it 
it is, you know, something that, you know, Australians did die there and, um, you know, it's a universal story and, and I think that... It's a universal story. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's great. Yeah, thank you very much. I think it. that... No, you're welcome. I, I do, I think that's really important. I think, you know, to, to start, to not feel that, you know, it's so important to tell us, you know, films which are culturally specific too, but at the same time, you know, if, if we're going to survive in the broader film landscape, we've made a bit of a mistake, I think, that you, you know, you, you can't just be parochial inside mm. what you do. You have to, you know, you have to make films which are targeted to a global audience are internationally facing and you know they do have those aspirations of broader human you know universal stories and some people see that as you know as, as ambitious or they don't like it you know they kind of think you're beyond the remit and they have their ideas about what the cultural brief of you know of arts or the cinema should be but you know for me it's funny you know, my father's an artist and the idea of telling an artist what you know what, what they should make or how they should make and what it should be about for me is not really you know, it seems so counterintuitive to, you know, to the whole arts process itself. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, I believe in kind of smashing those walls down a bit, and you know, pop a bit of hate for it, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you, you sound like a very resilient guy, so I think that you, know, you weather it okay. Yeah, <laughs> and and you're open about it as well, and I think that's the key thing is that you you know talking about these things makes uh makes the the struggle a little bit easier in some ways. Yeah, yeah. it does, and, and people like yourself and the you know, the audiences, you know. You just have, you put your faith in that, really, don't you? That you know there there are enough good people who get it. It's never for everybody, but you know there's enough people who, yeah. And that's that's the ones that give you energy to, the ones that support and yeah. Yeah, well, fantastic. Look, I understand you've got more screenings coming up this week. Uh, in yeah, Germany we do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sold out a few, which is nice. So fantastic. And you're doing Q yeah. and A's for them as well. Yeah, we do as many Q and A's as possible. I've got some. I've also got. Uh, a, a lady called Divya Salaska, who is the daughter of uh, of a of a senior encounter response specialist who was killed in the attacks down um, fighting the terrorists outside the Kama Albers Hospital in uh, in India, and wow. she saw the trailer of the film uh, a couple of years ago now, actually, and and, and, and you know I think she, and she got it. She you know she sort of you know sent something out of the the the, the humanism within that trailer and was really moved. And so she contacted me personally, and so we started you know having long discussions. And you know and, and then I went to Mumbai and you know we met up and became friends. And uh, so, so I got an early copy of the copy of the film when it was done. So I did that, and she loved the film, and you know, and then she wants to support. And we started working on to say, well, look, you know, I've always wanted to do some charity work, for, you know, to, to give something back. This is not really something that's going to make anybody rich. You know, it's not really our ethos. So we went, look, let's let's try to do that. And uh, yeah, and so anyway, so so long story short is Divya, who you know, has is a pre- pretty remarkable story, of course, losing losing your father inside mm. the attacks and. You know, and, and going through the Indian press for the past decade now, leading to her 10th anniversary, is, is a big thing. You know, she's always booked up this time of year with all the commemoration events and the press cycle stuff that happens. So her coming out here to Australia, I think a lot of people don't realise, I think, how special that is, coming out here because she wants to be involved and we want to, you know, to have that unique voice in the Q&As too. It's just, yeah, really, really, really fantastic. Yeah, um, no, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's really good. And helps uh, colour the uh, the history of the film in a lot of ways and, and exactly the film so yeah. that's really good yeah. well I, I hope they go well and uh, I hope that people appreciate it as much as they should do because it's a it's a solid film and I look forward to seeing what you're doing next as well yeah okay that's great also I really enjoyed the interview I really have to it's nice to meet you I hope you get to
So that was director Liam Worthington talking about his film One Less God, which is screening around Australia at the moment. So head over to their Facebook page to find out where those screenings are occurring. And I'll stick a link in the show notes for that. Hopefully you enjoyed this interview and hopefully you got something from it as well. And and I'm keen to hear what you had to say about this particular interview or any of the interviews that you've heard on The Last New Wave. Um, Certainly, I'm I'm really keen to find out about what your interest is in Australian cinema. And to do that, you can let me know via sending me an email at thecurbau at gmail.com or hitting me up on Facebook, thecurbau, on both Facebook and on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash thecurbau, twitter.com forward slash thecurbau. Links are in the show notes for these. Alternatively, you can head over to the website, thecurb.com.au, listen to uh, episodes of The Last New Wave as well as episodes of, well, the other podcasts I do on there as well and read written reviews that myself and Travis and Jeanette write on the particular website. Uh, And if you're keen on writing about Australian film or film in general, hit me up as well. I'm always looking for more writers. Uh, Alternatively, if you're just keen on supporting the website financially, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash thecurb.com. AU throw as little as a dollar a month to the website helps it keep going anyhow thank you very much for listening and i hope you uh, enjoy australian cinema and i'll see you in the next episode of the last new wave love this podcast support it and sponsor today Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.